How many of us complain that we don't have any vegan or plant-based friends? Most of us, I think. Most of us. Especially in what the kids call real life. But my guest today didn't let that stop her from building a community of like-minded friends online. Michelle Vilsack, Michelle V, to her friends, is a coach and podcaster with a weight loss and emotional eating coaching program called Win the Food Fight. I love that name. Win the Food Fight. I got to know Michelle last year, spring 2021, when she put a message out in the coaching community saying she was looking for plant-based and vegan friends. Well, I raised my virtual hand because I know very few coaches who are plant-based or vegan. So I was delighted to get to know Michelle. And I was on her podcast last year. If you're a regular listener, you probably know that I don't talk that much about food issues or weight loss here. And those are subjects my clients sometimes have goals around, but it's not usually my focus here at Veg Your Best. But I say that knowing very well that many of you have reached out to me and specifically asked for some episodes on weight loss and on emotional eating. So I think today's guest is probably going to really resonate with some of you because that is her focus. And if you're listening in early January when this episode drops and you go on winthefoodfightlive.com, you can sign up for one of her monthly masterclasses where you can learn a lot more about her coaching methodology and honestly enjoy all her energy and expertise. Today's conversation is just that, energy and expertise, a free-flowing conversation between two Michelles who both spell their names correctly. That means with only one L. Two coaches, two Michelles, who come at plant-based eating from slightly different angles and with different emphases because, honestly, there's a lot more than one way to do this thing. So I hope you'll enjoy hearing a different sort of conversation here today with Michelle Vilsack, who veges her best to help people struggling with emotional eating, cravings, and weight to win the food fight. Michelle Vilsack, welcome to Veg Your Best. Well, thank you. I am so happy to be here. I love your podcast so much. I just wanted to shout out about it, actually. I just love your demeanor most. And mostly, I just love you. That's why I love your podcast. <laughs> well, I thank you. Thank you. I mean, we've been trying to put this together for a couple months, few months, and um, I was on your podcast uh, last spring. And I wanted everyone to know that the reason we are friends it's not just because we're plant-based vegan it's not just because we're coaches because you actually put out a request saying I'd like some plant-based and vegan friends 
on our on, on a Facebook group. And I said, okay, hi. <laughs> right. Yeah. And to clarify, it wasn't even a plant-based group. It was a no. group. It was a coaches group. And I said, I want some friends. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing was, you know, I think especially now in COVID, we're just feeling so isolated. And we had moved to Indianapolis not too long ago. And then COVID happened. I didn't have a ton of time to make friends. And I was like, I want to have some friends who care about the same stuff I do. And I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a coach. I'm, you know, also plant-based. So it sounded like a dating, um, a dating message that I dating post I put out there. <laughs> it's like, I like, I do plant-based. I like to do exercise, you know, hiking. And then I was like, and I like long walks on the beach just because that's what this is sounding like. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it's a good, it's a good, I think it's a good example for everybody that anybody who doesn't resonate with the question is just going to ignore it. Right. So it, nothing, nothing weird there. It's like, and people are like, yeah, I'd like, one of the things I notice about being a coach is I really want more people in my life that are plant-based and vegan. I really do want that. And I, it's not that I have enough friends, right? <laughs> but, but it's the ones I want to make new ones are people who have that as a, as a priority of some sort. And, and they don't have to be on the exact same page that I am, but I just love that, that because it helps. I think it helps us when we know what, what other people's journeys were or are, it helps us kind of spread our message a little better and help us help people who are struggling or interested or curious in a better, more, more uh, helpful way. So I would love to, since we, we know everybody here probably knows we're both plant-based, tell me a little bit about your plant-based journey. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I actually, while you were talking, if you don't mind, I'm going to step back about that idea of community. And um, I just got back from a mastermind group and just being around people who are like you, if there's something about it that makes you relax inside and it makes you step up a little bit. And I think especially as plant-based people, vegan people, that's not the mainstream you're kind of constantly being challenged even by doctors and other people around you. And I think even whether you notice it or not, your brain kind of starts to question or, or weaken a little bit over time, just from all the outside influence. So I found it really, really valuable, not just as an entrepreneur to be in entrepreneur groups, but to be in plant-based groups and go to plant-based conferences and be around people like that. And I don't know if you even know this, but I started a virtual meetup for plant-based people like on Zoom because I noticed this was a real need that we had. So it's, I ca I'm calling them virtual garden parties. Love it. <laughs> so where people can just come, there's no sales. I just have some questions uh, to guide the conversation. And we go on to breakout rooms and stuff. We just had our first one earlier this week and it was a lot of fun. And I think people, yeah, like you said, when you hear each other's stories and tips, you just get re-inspired. So it's been really exciting. So, so before you do your plant-based journey that I was asking, that just leads me to ask, what is your coaching um, 
platform or group or website? Why don't you tell everybody what that is? So that as they're listening to you, they know where to like make a mental note. To, and all, everything will be in the show notes. Of yeah, course. yeah, of course. I was like, we weren't planning on bringing this up, but what's that you were talking about? I was like, oh my gosh, I just started this group. Um, yeah, so you can find the link on my podcast notes as well. But uh, it's that I have a Facebook group where I'm organizing it. It's called Win the Food Fight because that's my um, brand is Win the Food Fight. Uh, so I'm organizing it in there, but you can also actually, that's the best way to find me. If you just find me on Facebook and message me, I haven't really gotten it hooked up so that you can, it's not linked to my website yet to get on that list, but you don't have to join the Facebook group. If you want to just join, um, the email list to get the reminders and to RSVP and stuff, that's okay too. But so you can message me, Michelle Vilsack. I think I'm just, that's my Michelle.Vilsack is my Facebook handle, or you can probably find me on Instagram as well. Um, but that's how you would get into that group. And the group is called win, like W-I-N, W-I-N. win the food. Yeah, win the food fight. And it's yellow. It's bright yellow. So you should find it. Okay. So Michelle, did you have a food fight in your life? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Let's bring it back around to the story. Yeah. So I did have a food fight. I've never, I work a lot with weight loss clients. I think we all, uh, most of us in the country are struggling with weight right now uh, and stress eating. Um, I, I don't have a big weight loss story, but I definitely have a food struggle story. And early on, I think going back to high school, of course, I just was repressing everything in my emotions and everything. And and what I realized later was that it turned it into a lot of food sensitivities. So I became sensitive to gluten, sensitive to a bunch of other, like all other foods. I basically became sensitive to like every single food. At one point in college, I was down to eating just five foods. I had five foods on my list of this isn't hurting my body to eat this right now. And it was a really frustrating time because you know how you're struggling with something and you try to reach out to people, especially doctors, and they don't know what's going on. And I was reaching out to doctors, reaching out to specialists. Nobody knew what was going on. No one knew how to help me. And eventually I've I found an alternative practitioner that does like acupuncture based kind of stuff, but she dug me out of only five foods and kind of reversed a lot of my food sensitivities there. But then uh, I, that's a fortune to go to a practitioner all the time to try to fix your problems. And I'm the kind of person at that point, I was already eating gluten-free and, and there weren't very many gluten-free options back then. So I was eating a lot of whole foods anyway. And I kept asking myself, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a more sustainable option. And yeah, I'm sure you found this true too, but like, there's so many different ways to accomplish the same thing. (laughs) And I like, there's got to be another way for me to accomplish this that I feel comfortable with. So then I stumbled on Dr. Furman's Eat to Live book which again is about weight loss. And I was just always struggling with digestion, but I loved that book because when I was reading it, I realized I don't have to eat meat. And I thought before that, I thought I have to eat meat. That's what everybody tells you, right? You 
they keep telling you, you've got to eat your protein. You've got everybody, even in the vegan world right now, is kind of going keto, vegan keto. <laughs> and so they kept telling me that. And I realized when I was reading the book, I don't even really like meat. I just keep eating it because I thought I had to. And as soon as he gave me permission not to eat it and, and motivation not to eat meat, I was like, sweet, I'm going to just throw that out. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, so I was sold. I knew it was going to help my digestion and I dove right in, but I'm sure your listeners probably have this experience too, that once you dive in, you know, the stuff you learning how to cook. The, the cooking part wasn't that hard for me because I've been cooking for a long time since high school, whenever I couldn't eat anything. And because I had so many sensitivities, I could deal with lots of different things. Um, so the cooking part was easy, but what I found was I couldn't get myself to give up sugar. Even I was still eating dairy a little bit at the time because I couldn't break my dairy addiction, even though it was physically painful as well. I couldn't uh, yeah, like I couldn't stop eating salt and, and like all the oily stuff too, like all the stuff that I knew there was, there's a certain level that I wanted to be at where I wanted to get rid of some unhealthy foods, but I literally felt like I couldn't do it. Mm. And I remember reading and searching that, that, that book and many other books, like, how do you get yourself to do it though? <laughs> Cause they kept saying, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, where they say in the, a lot of the plant-based books, they're like, all you got to do is stop, just stop eating the addictive foods. And then you won't think your taste buds will change. You won't want them anymore. Well, and I was like, that sounds great, but I can't get myself to do it. Yeah. That first hump, that first, like how, 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 yeah. How I was like, I know I was like screaming at the books <laughs> and you read all the books and they're like, just, you know, just decide, just power through just you know use willpower essentially is what they're telling you just just do it and I couldn't find any real good ways to to go around that and even I I powered through one time you know I, I powered through one time I really did and I lasted for four days four days of not eating like anything bad on the bad list and at that point, I was so tired fighting my brain and it was just exhausting because my brain, like every five seconds was saying, oh, go eat that thing, go eat that. And that's why I call it a food fight because in your head, it just like, it won't shut up. You, it keeps reminding you of the brownies. It keeps reminding you of this other thing. And even to the point that, you know, you could go to McDonald's or, or wherever you're going, whenever you see anything that's food, then your brain keeps talking to you and it won't shut up. And finally I was like, there's no way I can't just keep listening to, I can't just keep fighting all day long. Um, so that, so that was a frustrating point for sure. And you were, you were a college age around this time. Oh, at that time, whenever I found a plant-based diet, I was married. I had my first daughter was born already. So I had healed my digestion enough to like have a child, which was great. <laughs> yeah. And then, so then I found the plant-based diet and kind of healed it the rest of the way and, and made it more sustainable. So I was 25 
So you were you you were had started this prioritizing plant-based foods, but you were still having some problems giving up some of the other some of the things like dairy. Is right. that what you're saying? Yes. And then yes. some oils and some salts and things like that. Yeah, and sugar especially. Sugar is really sugar. hot. It was really, really hard for me to give up sugar. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that everyone has to give up sugar or like all the mm-hmm. sugar, all the oil, all the salt. That's what a lot of people just want to do once they learn the benefits of it. I found there's, there's a group of people that want to, because they learn the benefits. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to give up. So I guess that's a lie. Actually, I'm lying to you. All my clients <laughs> At lied the to time, me. <laughs> now that I remember, <laughs> Now that I remember at the time, I wasn't totally sure if, because they were telling me I had to give it up. Like you can never have sugar ever again, mm-hmm. because I think in the, in the food world, there's this, there's a couple different camps of ways that people see things, but there's a big group of people that think it's kind of like alcohol or, or other addictions. Like mm-hmm. if you're addicted, then they think that you're, you have this physical pathway in your brain. And it's so, it's so strong that if you gave up sugar for a while, the first time you give in, it's just, you're going to be hooked again and you're not going to be able to Mm -hmm. stop. So Mm -hmm. I found in my journey, I was getting frustrated because people were telling me you don't have control over this, that if once you reach a certain point, there is no control. So you just need to give it up a hundred percent or you're going to lose control every single time that you eat it. And that didn't really sit well with me. And it wasn't, it wasn't helpful. <laughs> and also I was going back and forth, like, am I, do I really want to give it up hundred percent? Like a lot of people just aren't there. And it took me a long time to actually want to give it up hundred percent. I think that's very, I think that's a really important place to just spend a couple seconds here with my clients, with your clients, ultimately the agency is the individual and there are all kinds of recommendations. There's all kinds of health ideas and evidence. Their doctors will tell you different things every 20 years or so things flip on their head. I think also, I, I know in certainly, but in terms of uh, birthing children, the, the yes. ideas change yes. every 20 years. So I don't know. I'm sure with everything it does. So, and that's good to know. And not, not that we mistrust necessarily anybody, or alternatively, we don't need to trust other people. We ultimately, we want to take care of ourselves by doing the best for ourselves. And I think what you're telling me is you had a sense that sugar wasn't doing you any favors. It wasn't just that people were, te- you had a journey there with sugar. Can yes. you, can you? Oh yeah. 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 That's true as well. That I, I think I had gotten to the point and I had read enough from the books that I realized, yeah, sugar's not doing me any favors. It's, I could tell too, I, at the time I didn't realize it, but we were living in a pretty moldy apartment also. So Mm. I was having a really struggling with depression and brain fog from all the mold, but it was heightened by the sugar intake because that was feeding all the yeast and the molds inside my body. Mm. So I could tell, I could tell too, that I felt better when I didn't eat sugar So part of me, big part of me wanted to just get rid of it. But the other part of me was scared because of all the things that I talk in my program or with on my podcast about, which is like, 
I'm going to be deprived, right? I'm going to miss out on all this stuff if I have to give up sugar. And it's a big commitment to say, I'm never going to do something again. And so I wrestled with that for a really, really long time. But I think the part of the point that you're bringing up too, is that we all have different, we all have different priorities and level, uh, maybe levels of desire as far as like how much sugar we want to eat or um, a balance between how how healthy do you want to go versus do you want to enjoy some things in life and and everybody's balance is a little bit different I think absolutely and and I think that's really important that everybody um, not think that there's one way to do things and as you said right at the beginning there's a lot of different ways to do everything so and what we want I think what we want is to own our choices a little bit more and not outsource all our choices. Um, so I love, I, I like, I, I love this idea of the food fight because so many of us, we have an inner mean girl. We, we call it all, a, bit, a bunch of different things, right? There's this voice in our head, our brain saying, no, you can't, or much worse to us about what, what we're doing, oh, yeah. what we're thinking, what we're saying. And yeah, and then, and then we need some relief from that voice sometimes, especially if we don't remember that that voice isn't really us. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, all those things you're saying is huge. Because I think, and even later, I mean, I'm still struggling with this. I, I was still struggling with this even just two years ago. And uh, so years and years of me going back and forth and how much do I want to have? And even once I had separated myself quite a bit where I wasn't eating as much sugar, I think I might've even given it up at one point with willpower. Like, I don't know how I did that. Uh, It was really, really hard, but I still like, it was like what they were saying. And every time I had it, I felt like totally out of control, fall off the wagon Mm -hmm. again. And I was healthy. I felt great, right? It wasn't really... I mean, it does have health consequences, obviously, but I felt like I was in a place where I was pretty healthy. I was always eating pretty healthy. It wasn't necessarily a need when, you know, we moved out of the moldy house. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a need for me to give it up 100% or do, do something about it. But the part that I really didn't like was feeling out of control about it, mm-hmm. that I wanted to be at the space where if I have a craving for something, I'm starting to remember it now more and more because when you're there, it is hell 100% because you have a craving for something. And, and then the second you get the craving, it's like, oh no, I'm going to have to feed this eventually. Mm. So do I either feed it or do I fight it for a long time and then feed it? And it's just such a dark place where you've tried to fight it. You've tried to fight it. You don't know how to fight it. I mean, and then people are telling you, you know, obviously I don't have any willpower. I feel totally worthless. And, um, you know, you can't figure out what's wrong with you. I, I was always asking myself what's wrong with me. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, and what, and, and when we ask ourselves a question like that, then we, we find the we answer. answer <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Instead of saying, no, I, this is totally human. This is totally, totally normal human. In the wild, our species would have found something sweet and went, oh my God, we need more of this to keep us alive. Of course, we're drawn to sugar and sweets, but here we are judging ourselves about our willpower. Yeah. Mm. 
so bad. And, and I think it creates itself to these, the fact that I don't, they were telling me you don't have control, right? Because mm-hmm. you're at this certain point where you're addicted or whatever, then you lose control. Well, I believed them. I believed them that I didn't have control. And then from my personal experience, I saw that I didn't have control. So it must be true. And I saw that I didn't have willpower. So that must be true. And everyone told me you're never gonna, this is going to be something you have to fight forever. So I thought, okay, that must be true too. Because you're seeing some evidence of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the evidence and that's the evidence you're looking for in, in that case. Yeah. yeah. But I was creating, I was creating it though. I believed yeah. so much that I couldn't control that I didn't stop to question. Maybe I can, and I'm lying to myself. Like who says that? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I remember I, I tried several things on my journey too, because I had gotten the, the food part sort of figured out. I was doing my best there. And so then I thought there's gotta be something else here. I'm, I'm always looking for another answer, right? Because with the gluten-free stuff too, I was, I had found the answer to that and kind of re- reversed my digestion. So I was like, okay, there must be some way I'm a little stubborn in that way too. They're like, there's gotta be something. So I was looking and I tried therapy. Of course, I tried the still the 12 step programs. And that's when I started asking myself what's wrong because in the 12 step programs, um, a lot of it is, um, that there there's the idea that there's something wrong with you. What is, I'm trying to think of what words. You're powerless. You're powerless. You're power. Yeah. You're powerless over them. Yeah. So that's there, but also there's character defects. That's the words I was looking oh, for. There's okay, certain character right. defects that you've got, you got to kind of go in and find them and fix them. And once you do that, then you're going to be free, be able to be free from your addiction or you'll be strong enough Mm -hmm. to, you know, deal with it. But it's, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous too, they're all, they're all patterned the same. They're like day at a time, one day at a time. So again, the idea that this is going to be something that you're going to be struggling with every single day, maybe. (laughs) Right. So, so yeah, lots of messages from, from various places saying, you don't have control. This is going to be something you're dealing with a long time and, and you're powerless. Mm. And, but I, what's interesting is right from the beginning, you, you talk about, um, there has to be a better way. You said right back when in the beginning, when you were down to eating like five foods, yes. there's something in your head said, there's gotta be a better way. It sounds like that has been a continual, even when things weren't great in the back of your mind, you had that thought there's gotta be another way or a better way. And I think that that's so it, obviously it's fueled you on your, on your journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I sort of have, if you guys, anybody listening has that sort of rebel personality too, where when someone tells you, you can't, you can't do this, Mm. there's no answer. You can't do this. When someone tells me it's impossible, you can't, there's no way. Then I'm always, (laughs) I don't know something about my personality that challenges that. Like, that can't be true. There's got to be another way. There's got to be a better way. And whenever they told me, you can't, you can't, you can't, I said, there's got to be a way that you can get out of it. That doesn't make any sense to me. It didn't make any sense that you just have to be stuck there forever. Whenever people told me that about my, maybe partly because people told me that about my digestion all the time too. And Mm -hmm. I had seen a complete 180 where I couldn't eat anything pain all the time to, I never have pain. I never have bloating. I can 
eat whatever I want in the plant-based healthy space, right? And so I think that was probably part of the fuel that was an evidence maybe that I was like, there's got to be a better way. I've done this before. I can figure this out. And there's just something missing. And if I just keep looking for it, then I'll be able to find it. Yeah, I think I think, you know, we we in coaching, obviously, we always talk it begins with our thoughts, everything begins with our thoughts. And when the thought is you're when you're taking on other people's thoughts saying, mm, this is forever, you're powerless, there's obviously some, some character defects, and uh, you failed this, you could accept that, right? And then you keep finding evidence in your life in your world that that's true. But when you have another thought, you have the opening for another, another way to, to, even if you don't believe it, you start looking for it. Yeah. A little portion of you is like paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you start looking though, whether you realize it or not, you start looking for a better way. And I tried a couple different things and then I was at an entrepreneur conference, actually. I wasn't even I wasn't even actively seeking it at the time, but I was at an entrepreneur conference and it was funnel hacking live, if anybody's interested. Um, and this woman, uh, Annie Grace, came on stage and she shared her story about her struggle with alcohol. And she wrote a book called This Naked Mind, if you're interested. So she shared her journey about alcohol, but in her journey, she was, she came from a family that was like a kind of a crazy story, actually, but she came from a family that lived out in the middle of nowhere. Like they, they were off the grid before that was cool. The cool thing to do. And so they were like way off the grid. She didn't even know what alcohol was. She actually talks about later that her dad happened to be an alcoholic long before she was even born and had given it up. And so whenever she left that situation and she went off to New York, I believe to be a marketer and, and it became part of the culture, her bosses were telling her, you've got to go drinking tonight with these other people, because that's where they make the deals, blah, blah, blah. It just became part of, this is how you get, uh, you grow, you go higher in, in your business or in, in your career. And so she started drinking and then she started drinking more and more and more and more. And she was to the point where she was waking up in the middle of the night drinking to like settle down the, you know, to deal with the, the ups and downs that come with withdrawal. So she, what really impressed me about her story was that I knew that she was totally in it, that she was definitely addicted. There was no doubt from anyone who heard her story that she was hundred percent addicted, addicted. And she would even take videos of herself while she was at her low point to mm. begging herself to not do it again, because it was just so painful. And that's, I mean, that really is how it feels. It feels like that hell where you're like, please listen, please remember how awful it is in this moment and how terrible you feel physically and emotionally. And then she said, I figured out how the brain works. I had one more drink with my husband one night. I said, this is my last drink. And I never drank again. And then she went on to talk about how you can actually control your drinking, that you can control your drinking, not what, not what AA, not what uh, Alcohol Anonymous is saying. She's saying you can control your drinking. You can decide, Mm. you can choose 
you have power, you have control, you can choose, you can decide how much you want to drink and stop. And she just didn't want to keep drinking because that's what her ultimate goal was anyway. So she just gave it all up, but she's like, you can decide. So of course, immediately I went home and I bought her book <laughs> because like, if she can do it with alcohol, I've got to be able to do it with food. So there's a couple different nuances, of course, but I read her book, knowing what I know about coaching and thought work, I applied that within two weeks, I was in control. And I was sitting on the in the chair at one point, And I had a craving and that old fear came up like, Oh, my goodness, I'm gonna have to do something about this. And then I remembered, Oh, I'm in control. I just settled back down. Wow. Yeah. So that so that's very powerful for you. And I know that you're not saying that AA is not a modality that works for lots of people. I know you're oh, not. Oh no, saying no, that of course all. not. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty yeah. of people who obviously it keeps working or like it wouldn't be around still. Like obviously it works right. for some people. Right, right. It's but there are other thoughts for especially for for the situation of sugar that you were looking at that this this inspired you to try it in your area. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for, for those of you who've tried something similar to that and it hasn't worked, kind mm. of going back to what I said at the beginning, there's lots of different ways to do things. Right. And what, for those of you that that hasn't worked, try this, maybe this is going to work instead. Yeah. And ultimately, and ultimately AA is so, I mean, ultimately AA is, is people making a decision and choosing, but with a different framework of thinking behind them. Yeah. Right. That they can't choose. And because they can't choose, it's abstinence, complete abstinence. Right. Typically. Yes. Right? Yes. And there's actually a really famous plant-based athlete, Rich Roll, has a podcast, yeah. right? He, he talks about his journey with alcohol a lot on his podcast. And he's a huge, um, I was calling it 12 step. Yeah. He's a 12 step advocate. 100%. He's really, really, really into it. And it worked and it's worked for him. And it does, it does seem to work. And even after I figured this out to how, how the brain works into this situation, I went back and I read the 12 steps and you know, it's actually, it's in, it's in step four, actually. And I, when I was going back through it, I was like, there it is. It's like, it's, it's in there. And people just don't understand it. And a funny story. I actually, I got so excited though, because like I said, you're trapped. You feel like you're in jail. You feel like you're in hell. You can't get yourself out. And it just took me a couple of weeks. Once I figured out how to do it, that I was like, oh. <laughs> it's like on those moments where you go out and you're like, Preach, I'm gonna go find and save everyone. And so I ended up joining a, an Overeaters Anonymous group on Facebook because I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna help them. But at this point, I'm a health coach and I've got it all plastered all over my Facebook profile that I'm a health coach. And so I'm surprised they let me in the group, but they did let me in the group. But then I'm a little over exuberant. I don't know if you know that about me. <laughs> exuberant so I go in there like full fire and I'm like I'm gonna help you guys and then they let me stay in the group for about two days that was a long time actually um because then I was also curious and I was wanting to know a little bit more how it worked for them and I was asking them about the first these other steps or whatever I was I was obnoxious probably and they anyways they kicked me right out of there because I was a little too excited (laughs) you were on fire yeah yeah (laughs) want that there but um actually while I was there though before I left that group um I met a woman who 
she wrote, she reached out to me because there's sponsors in that program, uh, which is amazing. And so she reached out to me so nice, like, oh, I noticed you just joined the group. Do you have a sponsor? I can be your sponsor. And for those of you who aren't familiar, a sponsor is it's kind of like a coach or a buddy. It's not really a coach. They're not really trained and uh, they're not trained extensively, but they're kind of your buddy that's been through a certain part of the program at least and has um, done the steps enough and they go through a little bit of training to be a sponsor. So she'd reached out to me and she was asking me about it. And I was like, actually, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm free. I, I'm in control. I just came over here to like see how I could help other people and to learn a little bit more about it again. And she was, she didn't believe me. <laughs> She didn't believe me at first. And then she kept asking me, she kept telling me about her. She got defensive actually too. Like how, like, oh, well you were eating. Like when you eat, when you start eating, you can stop. And I was like, yes, yes, I can. I could stop thinking that you like, let me save you. Here I am out there. Like, let me help you with this. But she kept asking me and she's like, no, well, I don't know. We kept arguing. I don't remember our whole story, but she, we kept arguing back and forth. And ultimately it came down to, she, she didn't believe me. And she said, you must have not had a problem then. Because if you were really addicted, if you were at that addicted stage, like Annie Grace, where you couldn't control yourself, there's no way you could have just one cookie and stop. Like, that's insane. There's this, it's impossible in her brain. It wasn't opening up to me at all. And so she's like, no, you must've just not had a problem then. So, and that's true for her when she thinks that it's true. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I kept like, no, it's possible, it's possible. But she's uh, hopefully, maybe she'll come hang out with me sometime. It was unfortunate because I know how much it, it's just awful to be in that, that uh, cycle. But. So this is the population though you want to work with right? People who feel that level of desperation and lack of control about what they're eating. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I work with a range of people because there's, mm -hmm. um, whenever you are that deep, sometimes it feels like you need a lot more like therapy. And uh, so some, some of them are reluctant to come to me <laughs> because of that reason that it doesn't feel mm -hmm. possible for them. So I, but I do, so, and so it's a range of people, some people who are really deep, but I think all of us feel it on a certain level. If you've tried to lose weight before and you try to get yourself to stop eating sugar or just to eat just different ways, um, to, to change the way that you're eating, there's, there's a lot of resistance that comes up no matter what. So helping people with stress eating in general is really my focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's, what's the Tell, tell me who's the person that definitely should log on to your, your website or reach out to you. Who's the person that, you know, you help all the time, all the time would be, this is a great question. I help busy people, busy entrepreneurs, professionals that don't feel like they have time to take for themselves who are mm struggling with stress eating like if you've tried to yeah if you get stressed out and you eat and you know you're emotionally eating if you're the type of person who feels like you don't have control around food if you try to lose weight a bunch of times but this is one of the things that keeps holding you back 
those are the type of people I could 100% help. The stress, the stress piece too is huge because that alone, there's just certain mental and emotional blocks that we have that keep us from releasing the weight. And whether it feels like stress in the way that you always think about it, or if it's this underlying uh, low level stress, it's the thing, it's part of the thing that's just holding the weight on as well. So I find that for many people who have gone plant-based and they're not getting the results that everybody else is getting, they're at a plateau, especially it's this mental and emotional blockage. So some of it's stress eating, sometimes it's just stress. And I'm actually working with a woman right now who's been plateaued at the last 15 pounds for 20 years. And she's like, has the immaculate diet. Like if you looked at what she eats every day, she's like, I have no idea why this weight is still on. And it's been incredible to start working with her. Well, it's interesting. I don't talk a whole lot about weight um, in, in my work. Sometimes clients need to work on weight, want to work on weight. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's part of their goal. Sometimes it's not. It's not typically the area I focus on. But I will say that there, um, people are plant-based for so many different reasons. They're vegan or they're moving towards veganism and starting with plant-based many, many priorities involved. So there's no one way, no one kind of issue. But I, I do know people who are vegan, plant-based, and are not happy with their weight, are weight overweight in their minds, often have a lot of um, shame, a lot of uh, defensiveness, and it can be very painful. I think it's painful for many people, but sometimes I think everybody assumes, oh, everybody's plant-based or vegan skinny, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. <laughs> and uh, and so it can be really hard. Do you do you run into this with your with your uh, coaching clients? Yeah. Yes. Because there is. Well, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying too. Like, I it's it's what's what's wrong with me, right? That's the question yeah. you're asking too, because. I know what to eat. I know um, everybody else is getting results. And I see them in the Facebook group sometimes too saying, you know, I'm at this plateau or, you know, I stopped and I can't lose any more. And then everybody else goes in there and says, oh, well, you're just not doing the diet right. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you just change this, if you change that, then it would it would take the, if you exercise more or whatever, then it take the weight off, but you're so, doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Not only yeah. are you doing it wrong, there's something wrong with you. All the there's things. probably something wrong with no, you. <laughs> it is. It's, it is frustrating. And I think when sometimes I go in there and I'm like, have you thought about stress or whatever, you know, that they're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, um, Uh, Absolutely. And I think also another thing I run into a lot is if you've hit a certain point like this woman, I just have 15 pounds left. Like I should, I should be happy with that. Mm. I should be like, I'm healthy. There's nothing wrong with me. I should just be happy with where I'm at. I shouldn't be spending so much time trying to figure out how to, you know, for me too, I looked normal. I was at the normal weight. I was eating healthy. Everybody else is like, you're obsessed. <laughs> like what's wrong with you? You're obsessed because, um, 
you've already achieved it and you're already so much healthier than everybody else. What are you even worried about? And so then it's mm. almost like people don't believe you at the same time. So there's a, it's like a lot of things going on there. Yeah. There's a, like a, sh- there's a, like a shame that, that I think, especially women have um, people socialized as women that we shouldn't ask for more. That's enough. I'm, yeah. I'm lucky. I shouldn't have that other thing that I would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's asking. And it's getting much. in the way. It's like getting in the way you're being so selfish. You're getting in the way you're taking so much time for yourself when you should be doing this. You should be you know, like doing other things with your life, like move on, stop worrying about right. that thing. Right. And maybe, maybe you want to, I mean, that's potentially possible, but if it keeps coming up as something you want to do, that's, it's a good sign that maybe you want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Oh man. Yeah. I know people are always amazed that I, I, I want everyone to do what they want. And I sometimes, you know, vegans are, can be, we can be all a little bit preachy and we can be a little bit moral high ground and stuff. And <laughs> I'm like, no, I really want everyone to do what they want. I think that's how not only do we make more vegans, but it's how we have a nicer world. If people are legitimately doing what they want and that we're supporting each other doing what we want. I think we all win. Yeah, totally. And the funny thing is when you're stressed out, I found this true with very true with my digestion. When you're stressed out about, um, doing it right, then you're stressing or like pushing that aside. Whenever, every time you push aside your emotions, you push them down, you push them aside, or you micromanage and you stress out about doing it exactly right. All of those things are actually, you know, going back to the bottle, it's like sabotaging and creating yeah. a result. So if I'm so stressed out about losing weight, that's the thing that's keeping me from losing weight. That cortisol, that other kinds of hormones, that and the and the and the energy sap yes. that it is. Yeah, when you're and it's really draining your health and, and so many things. So I'd rather, I'd rather you have, I'd rather you have be less perfect with your diet and be relaxed, like be healthier on an emotional level, because that's just as important and it affects your health just as much as the things that you put in your body. I think that's really good advice because we don't need as coaches to give our, our clients something else to beat themselves up with something else to be dissatisfied about, you know, that's cut everybody cut yourself some slack. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. So whenever I started working with this woman, she told me what her diet was like. I was like, we're not touching it. We're not going to change anything. And she's like, really? You don't want me to do this or this or this or this or this? And I was like, I don't think there's no way it's your diet. There's absolutely no way that you could be eating like this. And so it took her a while to be like, it's only my thoughts. Like if it's really only my thoughts or it's only like this emotional block, that sounds like it, it can't just be that, but really Mm. it is, it is that that's what, that's what everything is. It is our thoughts, everything starts with a thought. They, and it takes me back to, I read a, a running book. I'm into running. I read a running book once. And I think you've heard this before, The Four Minute Mile. It was a book about- Roger Bannister. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah. well, and it, this actually was a different book about the uh, the marathon and this two hours. Like they think that you can't break two hours with a marathon, but they've gotten so close. But anyways, with The Four Minute Mile, everybody thought it wasn't possible. It wasn't physically possible to do it that fast. And so no one had ever done it, but one person believed that they could do it. 
and they broke the four minute mile. And then right after that, there was a cascade of people who broke the four minute mile. Only the only thing that had changed, I'm sure they had been, they had all been working out for 20 years and they had all been trying so hard. The only thing that changed was that they believed that it was possible. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is, that is one of the most, I think we've all seen it in our lives somewhere or another. When you didn't believe it was possible, it wasn't. Yeah. 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 And when you start to believe, it doesn't mean things happen, but it does mean that you start, your life becomes more of an adventure rather than, because even if you don't get exactly what you're looking for, the belief that you can have that kind of agency that you're actually kind of responsible for having an adventure of a life. It's a beautiful way to not to fail at something, right? You can fail two ways. I think you can fail by giving up or you can fail by trying. And so many of us don't want to try. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, cause I did a post a quick post today and I said, level up or leave. Right. Yeah. And you said that maybe there's a third option, but the reason I said level up or leave just to give some background is yeah, I had gone to this mastermind and every time I get done with the mastermind, it's like, I have this huge breakthrough because I, I don't ultimately, I think I don't feel worthy to be around them in the state that I am. And so then I need to, I just decide I need to, I need to have another breakthrough or I need to, or I don't feel comfortable that I'm not going to want to keep going back. And I think that's Mm -hmm. true in all of our journeys to any goal is you either because you believe it's possible because you want to be there and you're desiring and you're striving, you either level up and, and find it, or you maybe give up and leave. But you said you thought there might be one more. I'm just curious to hear. Well, I feel like there might, well, I always believe that there are other options. Cause I think in my brain, most people's brains, we always go, there's that or that yeah. we, 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 we tend to make it make false binaries about all these things, but I think, but you could also be level up, leave or listen mm. or learn. Maybe some other else <laughs> linger. <laughs> I guess whatever I think learn that's like leveling up for in my brain, but yeah. Or listen. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that is how you're thinking. Level up just means, you know, stay in there and stay like progress you know. in some way. Yeah. 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 Cause level up seemed like really like launching yourself forward more, you know, yeah. and, and that you had to compete in some way. But uh, so I see what you're saying that level up or leave, but listen, listen is good too. Cause it's like, sit there for a while. Yeah. We, uh, you, I, I think, I don't know. I think one of the things that coaching has brought me is more of attention to when I think there were two choices mm. to assume there's at least one other choice to just like, like just to trust that there's something I'm not seeing. That's probably because I, I think that's the way my brain protects me sometimes from discomfort is like, oh, it's all that or all that, you know, it's not. Th- th- so you're out. That's it. <laughs> you can go home now, honey. <laughs> you, can, you can lie down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And that's really what our conversation has been about, too. It's not like we were saying you can't control yourself. You can't do anything. And then you don't have to control yourself so much that you can never have it. There's lots of gray areas in between right yeah right there may be lots more areas that we, that we are that we're uh discounting or or assuming isn't true because other people haven't 
offered it to us yes. as a choice. Yeah. And I yeah. found for me, once I, I call it like rewiring my brain, once I rewired my mm. brain about food and kind of changed the way I was thinking about a lot of things, it really freed me up to decide like, what do I want now? What option do I, yeah. Like what option do I want? I don't feel like I have to eat it now. And I don't feel like I have to give it all up because, mm. uh, that's not true either. So do I really want this? How much do I want it? Do I want it on birthdays? Do I want it whenever I go out with my family? And I think, so honestly, that part's always changing. So there's some seasons that I like want it. And then eventually recently I decided, okay, maybe I want less of that now. That's not, it just, it's less and less. I feel like I'm slowly getting more control over, over it because I see it in a different way. And it's more like, I'm, I'm putting it back in my power. Whereas before it was, it was a lot outside of me. I you said something about it at the beginning, but, but um, I was making it everybody else's decision. Like, oh, it's outsourcing. outsourcing. Yeah, That's yeah. what you said. Outsourcing. Yeah. Yes. Where, oh, it's birthday. I should have a cake or, oh, somebody made that for me. I have to eat it or something, something along those lines, or I'm stressed. I've got to go eat something. Whereas it's I'm stressed. And now what, <laughs> or they brought that. And now what, what do I want to do with it? And for a lot of things, honestly, I throw it in, I throw a lot of things away with no remorse now <laughs> where I just can accept it from them and be like, Oh man, they gave me a present. That was so nice. Yeah. You know, the, you know, Bev Aaron, the, the life coach, Bev Aaron, she, she's wonderful. And I, I went through her advanced certification in coaching and she's always Say, talking about unconscious contracts. I don't think she developed it, but these, or, or contracts we have from way back mm -hmm. that say, if you do this, that happens. Or if you choose that, it means this. And by the time you are 25, 35, 65, you have a bunch of these rules in your head that we no longer even investigate anymore. And, and typically there are things we beat ourselves up with. They're things that we make ourselves wrong about that. If I, if I say, I'm do say this and then do that. Well, that means I have no willpower. I have no, um, I don't have character. Mm -hmm. And so we have so many rules and we want to investigate those. And this idea of that, if you have any sugar, it's over. You're, you're back on the slippery slope or in my group of people, um, people who want to be plant-based or vegan and sometimes choose animal products to eat. Th there is some condemnation among some vegans saying, okay, well then you're not vegan. That's it. You're out. You're that's a hundred percent or nothing. And that there's an argument to be made for that, but is it a helpful argument? Where do we want to um, decide that I'm on a journey, I'm learning, I'm getting better, and I'm going to see what works. And when I make, when I don't show up the way I want to, do, is this is this where I want to throw baby out with bathwater? And is that how we want to think about things? And there's a lot in our culture that says yes, all wrong or all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. White. I think. What you're saying 
it's so interesting to me because people ask me that a lot when we start working together too. Like, do I need the idea of, I keep saying 100%, that's what they kind of use in the plant-based world of like the all or nothing mentality of, yeah, do I need to give it up? Really? Do I have to give it up all? Do I have to give it all right now? And this idea of 100% perfection and with the, with the, uh, there's like a physical health aspect of it, but with you, you work more with the, um, I'm, I'm losing my word, but <laughs> the uh, compassionate aspect of it, the ethical, ethical, or thank the, you, yeah. Yeah, ethical mm-hmm. aspect of it. But I always like to ask them or kind of argue back that there is no 100%. Yeah. Right. That 100% only exists in our brain because for some yes. people, with food or with uh, like health and food, like a hundred percent looks like this. And then there, I just am always laughing about it because, you know, you're maybe vegan is a hundred percent, but then for other people, whole food plant-based is a hundred percent. And then for other people, whole food plant-based salt, sugar, oil free is a hundred percent. And then uh, that salt, oil, sugar, um, I don't know. They have like so many acronyms and stuff. Or Lo- like, yeah. Or locally raised right, or yes. no, no, no plastic, no, 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 you know, not be, having been trucked in from another part of the country. Right. The, so know, there's this huge continuum absolutely yes. on the ethical side and on the physical side of uh, like health side sides. that, um, I would almost argue that there's nothing that's vegan, period. You could say that. Right? You, you could, because you can go down the rabbit hole of like, we have, my house is made out of wood. They had to cut that wood down. Something lived inside that wood or used that wood for shelter or, you know, so I think we could, like you're saying, we could go and beat ourselves up about it, or we can just decide what's a hundred percent for me. Yeah. I I think it's really an important distinction for people to make. And I think sometimes people are scared off by the idea of plant-based or veganism because they think I won't be perfect at it. And then it's, it's, I'm, I'm a a target of some sort. We, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm not a religiously observant human being, but I think of it as being a practicing Christian or a practicing Jew or a practicing Buddhist. There are no perfect Christians. As far as I know there, except maybe one, and there are no perfect any of these practices, right? This, this is where we keep showing up and recalibrating, reorienting, relearning, and then kind of spiraling one way or the other when we need more help. Um, it's, it's. I, I always say we're practicing. I'm a practicing vegan, and I encourage people to be practicing and not be um, militant about it because I think that way does not help anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And same with our health. There's no, we are always learning something. What if you learned there was some other, I mean, I hope in a week or two, we learned something wonderful about COVID or yeah. you know, how, to, how to help everybody and help our children who aren't vaccinated right now and our grandchildren who are little because they don't have that access right now. What do we even want for them? So hopefully we're always learning new, new information. Mm-hmm. And I like to think too, um, a lot of our decisions, there is no right, right? There's no right answer or there's, or they are right and wrong. (laughs) Like even the most, um, the most, I I don't know why I can't think of my words today, but the, you know, like the the best intentions, (laughs) the best intention actions. Um, I was reading 
the uh, the creator of Tom's Shoes. I was reading his book one day and it's fascinating. It's so cool. He has the best intentions to, he created this company because he saw that there were tons of people in South America and in Africa, tons of children who don't have shoes. And he saw uh, nonprofit organizations trying to fulfill that need, but they just didn't have any resources. So he was like, wouldn't it be great if we had a company that had resources and could fulfill this need? And that's why he kind of molded the two together because if I have a for-profit company, then I have enough profit to always fund this really cool thing. And so I've always mm. really admired his, his business model and his idea of, of solving a problem and and with by making money and by you know selling something anyways I think it's really cool and so I had mentioned I think I was talking about it with a friend once but then she said but it's putting cobblers out of business cobblers right is that what's called like shoemakers are getting put mm -hmm. local shoemakers are getting put out of business because of what he's doing hmm. and because of that she had kind of rejected and didn't like the idea anymore but in reality, that's true for everything ever in our lives. Like there's going to be my, one of my bad, dad's biggest a ripple effect. Yeah, yeah. Ripple effect. Yeah. One of my dad's biggest arguments against me not eating um, meat is he's a cowboy in Little Wyoming and there's big ranch country there. And so he's like all the ranchers, like they're going to be all out of it. You're going to put everybody out of business if everybody ate like you do. So, yeah. Yeah, I was in I was in an Italian uh sorry, a French a French restaurant in October and I thanked them for because they went out of their way to make a vegan lunch for me and there was nothing on the menu. So they I had to like specifically ask and they were very nice about it and as I left, I went and I thanked the 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 people that were cooking for that and they go they were a, a little cranky. <laughs> and they one of them said uh, yeah, well, what's going to happen to the farmers if uh, if everybody goes like you? And I said, we're going to have to see, but I don't think it'll be next week. So, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, yeah, but we can't, but there's so many things that have gone and come and gone and come. I, I, I understand that people feel that way. Yeah, it's just a resistance to change in general, because I think about Blockbuster, right? Like whenever Redbox came out, they totally put those that they totally put that out of business business businesses die all the time like and then now it's Netflix nobody has anything like yeah yeah exactly so they'll just adapt and they'll move and there'll be a different a different opportunity will open up to them that they didn't have before because opportunities are always opening up and things are always changing. And we're going to need them to grow. We're going to need these farmers to grow something else. That's right. right. Vegetables, I think. <laughs> and it's hard to see the total impact, but yeah, we could go down the environmental rabbit hole for sure here because I'm thinking the consequences outweigh, you know, kind of what's Tom's shoes. Like, yes, that's one consequence, but he's also helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people have shoes, which prevents disease. Right. And that's why we need, every, and that's why we need everybody yeah. because Tom does his thing. And if we see something about what Tom's doing that isn't perfect, we don't have to make Tom wrong. We can try to draw attention to the other things that somebody else can do to help prop up the cobblers of the local towns or whatever. I mean, there's, we, yeah, we, exactly. we, it's not all that guy. And then we're just like, Hey, you know, nothing, nothing. We're just going to condemn somebody for doing something. 
Yeah. 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 Well, then, so I've, I've talked to you for a while. I want to make sure, cause you and I are friends now. So we, we've, we've had a, a year of friendship. So I want to make sure that people actually get a sense of how they could get to be working with you and get to know you better. So I understand you've got every month you have uh win the food fight type of. Yeah. So I have an event that I run once event. a month. It's called win the food fight live. So in that it's a half day masterclass workshop where you can, you come and I go through the process of all of the, just walking you through the process of what's keeping you stuck. How is it exactly that you reprogram or rewire your brain in the way, like, how did I do it? How did I rewire my brain? And how can you do that so that you can feel free from food, feel like you're in control again, and that you have options. And uh, there's a bunch of, it's a lot of fun. We do some hands-on stuff and it's a lot of fun to, to be there. So yeah. So when the food fight live, you can go to win the food fight and see what the date to register there. Uh, you can also follow my podcast, When the Food Fight. I keep everything simple here. <laughs> um, and then- So much simpler. Yeah, that's right. And you can get the links for that there as well. That's great. So you do that every month. So if people aren't hearing this right when it comes out, this is a, re- a repeated thing. You can sign up on whenthefoodfightlive.com yep. throughout month yes. to month. Yes. And I'm not sure when this is coming out exactly. Our next one's January 13th because it's January. I'm throwing in some extra bonuses and you can upgrade to the VIP pass for free. In the VIP, you get a Q&A session with me uh, to answer your questions. And there's a lot of cool bonuses and stuff. So if you sign up in January, it's like extra special goodies on your plate. So super. Well, this is supposed to come out uh, Tuesday, January I think January 11th, I think it's coming out. So I'm trying to look for a calendar, but there's not one in my closet where I'm recording from right now. Um, so June, January 11th. So if you're listening, people, listeners, today or the first couple of days it comes out, definitely check in. Then jump yeah, right on right away and come in and see us uh, or come to that. It's yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, But there's always stuff going on. There's always good information. Uh, Facebook, um, Michelle is always doing something cool on Facebook. I always enjoy her posts. She also is extremely, If I'm going to talk about you as if you're not here, Michelle. She's also very, what am I going to say? Vulnerable? Maybe. Very, uh, a lot of coaches present themselves as very perfect, very overly polished, huge eyelashes, <laughs> gorgeous makeup, <laughs> not like me. <laughs> and, and I love that you, you, you're very real and you're very beautiful in a very real way. And I love it. And I think people really respond well to it and really admire it. Well, thank you. I love I, It's one of the things I really love about you. Well, thank you. <laughs> you're a mom and you're building a world and you're building a family and you're not you know, you're not, there's no filter. Yeah, there really is no filter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you either, you get what you get. So I guess, you know what you're getting when you come over here too. I think you're referring to my live today where my child's like, mom, he's like in the live. <laughs> I love it. I love it because this is where people, I don't want people comparing themselves to something that's been airbrushed and photoshopped. And I mean, I, I don't, it, it's fine if people want that, but I don't think it's what 
my demographic wants, and I don't think it's what your demographic wants. I think they want real people who've kind of seen what they've seen and and uh, have a sense of where, where they can see, look at it a little bit differently. And I think it's fun. Yeah, that is fun. Yeah. And and know that we're all on a journey all the time and that we're always having breakthroughs. And the breakthrough that I had this yesterday was amazing. I, I can't even uh, believe, I guess, which I don't have time to go into all of it here, but I think one of the things that I really came away with was, man, you know, I stopped over eating though even though I has had this humongous block that I've still been struggling with. Like, so I like to tell people too, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to root out all of your character defects in order exactly. to accomplish a goal that you want. Right. It's, that's beautiful. You don't, there's no, there's, you don't have to be perfect to be happy. You don't have to be perfect to be healthy. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Just, and it's more fun actually that way. It's more fun. And yeah, and you just keep learning things on the way and keep growing. And exactly, then you don't get bored. If you were happy all the time, that'd be so boring. Who would want that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. All right. So it's winthefoodfightlive.com. Uh, winthefoodfightlive.com. All the um, notes will be in the ep- episode show notes. And I'm, and you can find, and it's when you're on Facebook, are you Michelle Vilsack on Facebook or you win the food fight there too? So my profile is Michelle Vilsack. Uh, and then the, the group is, I have a win the food fight group. And my website is Michelle Vilsack. So Vilsack is such a random name. If you Google Vilsack, you'll find me or win the food fight, you'll find me. And yeah, it should, should be easy to find that way. That's great. Well, there's a lot of listeners. There's a lot for you to uh, be encouraged by and to be inspired by uh, Michelle's uh, uh, website and her work. And I, I'm interested in her lives. I maybe I'll sign up. I don't know. We'll have to. <laughs> we'll have to see. Come hang out with it. You got to come in January. <laughs> I, I love your energy. I always enjoy your energy. Thank you very much, Michelle. Yeah. Thank you. So, how did you like Michelle? I think you can hear the, the energy, the spontaneity. And also the compassion and real thoughtfulness Michelle Vilsack brings to her clients through her program at Win the Food Fight. And I'll have Michelle's links in the show notes here, but you can easily find her podcast, Win the Food Fight, and get to know her even better. And if you or someone you know is really struggling with emotional eating, You probably already know it's hard to find experts and coaches who really understand plant-based and vegan folks. So that's Michelle Vilsack, Win the Food Fight. And here at Veg Your Best Central, maybe we should call it Veg Your Best South, we've been alternating our time this winter between Western Massachusetts and right now here in Florida. And you may sometimes hear a difference in the sound of the podcast. The basic equipment is the same, but where we stay in Florida is all stone, tile, and glass, and very sparsely furnished, which gives a very different sound than my cluttered, carpeted, book-filled basement office in Massachusetts. So if you notice difference in sound, that's probably the explanation. And while we're in Florida, we're spending a little extra time with our son and our daughter-in-law who live here. 
And hopefully when and if the coronavirus spikes calm down a bit, we'll spend time with our favorite New England expats. Because we know a lot of expats from our area of New England. Uh, Folks from New England who've run away from the freezing temps and the gray skies. You know, as I say that, I'm remembering we have quite a few listeners from around North America and Europe and India and South America. So for full understanding, New England is the very small northeast of the United States, the six small states in the top right-hand corner of the map, New England. And we still spend most of the winter in Massachusetts, but my Canadian husband loves Florida, so we shall see. In any event, the vegan options are plentiful in Southeast Florida, and I've been featuring a lot of those meals and resources on Instagram at VegYourBest. So until next week, remember, even if you don't have any vegans and plant-based friends or support systems in real life, there's a very vibrant community of them here, online, on Instagram, and in the podcast world, and right here at Veg Your Best every week. I'll talk to you next week. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.